My name is Peter Assad. I'm one of the pastors here at Heart of Life. And for those joining us here in person or online or at one of our mission sites, we're glad to be able to look into God's word today. It is going to be a great day. And I'm hoping that by the end of the day, it's still a great day, right? I told Mahomes I'd give him this back before the game. Speaking of great, how about that Project Nick Gala last night? We set a big goal, we prayed for it, we planned for it, and we gave God our five loaves and two fish and saw him do what only he could do. The total came in from all the bids and all of that, we got a total of $22,208 to go toward Project Nick shelters all around the world. Yeah. But wait, there's more. Because Orphan's Hope World Mission has matched that dollar for dollar, which actually raises the final tally to $44,416. Can we give God a shout of praise this morning? So on behalf of Heart of Life and Project Nick, I just want to say thank you to everyone that joined in, whether it was bidding or donating or sponsoring a child or running cameras, which, by the way, um, if you missed it, there's still an opportunity to sponsor a child today. For $467, which is just $39 a month, you can provide food and shelter and clothing and the love of Jesus to a child uh, in one of our Project Nick shelters. Over 250 kids are being served in this way. So if you're interested, go to the Project Nick website, which is just project-nick.org. Nick is spelled N-I-C without the K. So project-nick.org. And there's a donate tab. You can contribute today in that way if you're interested. I'll tell you, I understand what the Apostle Paul means when he says that I thank my God every time I remember you. He says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And I understand what he means because when I think of Heart of Life Church, joy is what fills my heart. I am so thankful for each of you and I am so thankful for the ways that God continues to work in us and through us to bless the world. Can we give God one more shout of praise today? We love you, Lord. Speaking of Paul praying... We're going to look at his prayer this morning. Philippians chapter 1, please turn there with me. Philippians 1, we'll be working through verses, uh, we'll be looking at verses 9 through 11 in just a moment as we continue in our little mini-series through prayer. Philippians 1, reading now from verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The last couple weeks, we've seen how Paul prays for our love to grow more and more. That it's a divine love given by God, that it's a decisive love, an agape love, meaning a love where we don't just stumble into, but we actively choose. It's a dynamic love that has the potential to grow and morph, otherwise we find that it diminishes. It's a deep love, 
an exhaustive love that is tethered to truth and reality. And it is a discerning love that results in knowing not just what is good, but what is best in any given situation. And it leads to a life of excellence and genuine integrity that reveals to the lost and dying around us that this Jesus we love and follow is a Jesus worth loving and following. Whew. You don't know this, but Pastor Jeff egged me on this past week saying he recapped a 40-minute sermon in two minutes last time. And I had to try to recap two full sermons in one minute. So you'll have to check the replay later, see if that was right or not. But that's what we've seen so far in this beautifully rich prayer. And that's just verses 9 and 10. Today, we get to pick up with verse 11. As we do, I want us to consider four questions this morning. First, what is Paul talking about? How is that possible? And then we're going to look at what's Paul praying about and to what end? Our four questions again. What is Paul talking about and how is that possible? What is Paul praying about and to what end or for what purpose? So first, what's Paul talking about? Let's look at verse 11. Paul prays that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Fruit of righteousness. Now on the surface, this sounds like, like righteousness is the fruit. But is Paul praying that we would be filled with righteousness, like he's adding one more thing on his prayer list, or does fruit of righteousness here mean the fruit which comes from or grows from righteousness. Said another way, is righteousness the fruit or is righteousness the tree that the fruit, whatever it is, grows from? Now the original Greek here is very ambiguous. So it actually seems it could go either way. So what is Paul actually talking about? Well, it helps to remember that the apostle Paul it was a Jew, right? He, he grew up a Jew. He was not just a Jew, but a Jew of Jews. He became a Pharisee. Later in this letter, we discover Paul, he, he's top of the line. He knew his Bible, which would have been the Old Testament. He knew it inside and out. He knew it through and through. And one of the passages he would have memorized would have been Isaiah 61. And in Isaiah 61, there is this little phrase tucked into verse 3 that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor or for the display of his glory, which sounds a whole lot like the verse we just read, righteousness that comes through or is planted by Jesus Christ to the glory of God, doesn't it? It would seem to me that Paul is not talking about the fruit which is righteousness, so much as the fruit which grows from righteousness, a righteousness that's been planted in the center of who we are because of Jesus. And so if righteousness then is the tree, then what's the fruit? What is he talking about? Well, it's all the stuff we've seen the last couple weeks. The fruit is the divine, decisive, deep, discerning love that is dynamic in how it grows. It's the ability to know precisely what is best in any given circumstance so you and I can stand blameless and pure on the day when Christ comes to claim us as his bride and take us home. That's the fruit. So then how is any of this possible? How is it possible that such a righteousness 
could end up planted within us to bear such fruit. Look at verse 11 again. Filled with the fruit of righteousness, or the fruit from righteousness, that comes through who? Please speak. Comes through Jesus Christ. See, this is a righteousness that none of us can achieve. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It comes from Jesus. Paul's not talking about you and me just trying to muscle out this level of purity and holiness and righteousness. No, this is an oak of righteousness that Jesus has planted in us. us. How? Through the cross. For all of the death and sin that our lives and our world have ensued. For all of the sins that we have committed and all the sins that have been committed against us, Jesus took all of it into himself and died an unrighteous death on a tree so he could plant living oaks of righteousness in us that could bear good fruit. In another letter, the Apostle Paul contrasts what he calls the works of the flesh, the things that we do in our own sin-fueled power against the fruit of Jesus that he bears in us by his Holy Spirit. And at the end of this long list, he writes this. Look at this. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. That's Galatians 5:23 from the message translation. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Legalism, that is our own attempt at trying to stop the poison of sin from coursing through our veins is absolutely helpless in bearing the good fruit that only Jesus can bring about by his Holy Spirit within us. It is a work of Jesus. Well, thanks to Disney Plus, my wife and I, uh, we've been watching all the Marvel movies in timeline order. Amen. And as we're watching Iron Man 2, my soul was stirred up within me. See, Tony Stark is Iron Man, and if that's a spoiler alert, I don't know what to tell you. But he has this thing in his chest that powers his suit. But it's made of palladium which apparently is killing him too. And there's this one scene where Tony lifts up his shirt and it reveals this black poison that's like seeping through his veins. You know it's bad. And so for a good chunk of the movie, Iron Man is just, uh, Tony is just like tinkering in his lab. He's trying to find a way to reverse the poison, but nothing seems to work. He tries every kind of element known to man. He's trying to find some kind of replacement that will power up his suit, but also not simultaneously kill him in the process. And nothing Nothing seems to work until, of course, a new element is created. And this new creation, something out of this world, when placed within his chest, not only completely flushes out the poison, but it powers up his suit better than ever before. And what I'm trying to say is I may not be Iron Man, but I am a Jesus man. 
We may not be iron men, but we can be Jesus men. Because when Jesus plants his righteousness within us and the palladium poisoning of who we used to be is flushed out of because of this new element of Christ's righteousness, this new creation that's been planted in us at the center of who we are, we discover that as we abide in him and he in us, we too bear good fruit. So that, is what Paul's talking about. And that is what Jesus makes possible, a fruitful life that isn't manufactured by human hands. It's not by religious legalism. It's from Jesus Christ and his righteousness that he has planted within us because of the cross. And so with all of this in mind, now we consider our third question. What is Paul praying about? Verse 11 again. This is my prayer that you are, speak it with me, Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Filled with the fruit. Notice, Paul's not praying for half measures. He's not going, hey, man, I hope, I hope they get like a 50% increase in their fruit output today. He's not saying, you know what, it's been a rough week. I'll just settle for like 10%. He's saying... I want it all for them. Every last drop of fruit, I want their life filled to the brim. You know, when Jeff preached this sermon a couple weeks back, on the first sermon on, on prayer a couple weeks back, uh, and gave us those five Ds of love, dynamic, decisive, that next day, my boys, they're, they're three and six, uh, they got into a bit of an argument <laughs> that uh, ended up in some tears. And I walked into their room early that morning, assessed the situation by seeking out both sides of the story. And to my utter surprise, both stories totally lined up. Which for parents of young kids, that's kind of a miracle. Turns out they're fighting over this. It's a little dinosaur nightlight. Light up. Choose different colors, right? Ooh, red, I like red. But this is the little dinosaur. It's gonna keep flashing colors, but here we go. I'll set it right here. They're fighting over it. It's battery powered. And so I'm talking to my older son, Wes. He's six, and he's trying to explain how his little brother wanted the nightlight on during the day. But Wes, being the older, smarter brother, is sitting there thinking the battery's gonna die by the nighttime when we need it if you leave it on all day. And so it needs to rest. That's his takeaway. And uh, Wes didn't want his little brother to be sad for the dinosaur battery to die out. And so he hits him. Which, let me run that back. For fear of making his brother sad, he hit him. Like, it works. Now, since Wes was in the service the day before, I brought it up to him and I said, hey, remember when Pastor Jeff was talking about how we love and how sometimes when we love people like our little brother, we have a hard time showing exactly like love in the right way. And he goes, oh yeah, I forgot that part. And I love that because how many times is my Christian life like that? Just one more, oh yeah, I forgot about the discernment part. I forgot about the holiness part. I forgot about that part. Just one after another. And so I tell him, look, bud, I can tell that you really love your brother. You just weren't sure how to show it. 
The Bible says that we can pray for God to give us help to know the right way to show love. Can we do that right now? And so we pray. And then once we're done, he goes, I know what I need to do. And without any prompting other than the Holy Spirit, he walks over to his brother, he apologizes to him, they hug it out and continue with their day about as peaceably as two brothers can. What I'm saying is we don't have to just bear fruit some of the times. We don't have to live the rest of our life going, oh yeah, that, that part, I forgot, I forgot about that part. Like there's actually more for us. We don't have to settle for less. There is more love. There is more excellence. There is more integrity and blamelessness. When Paul prays that our lives are filled with fruit, he is praying for a 100% capacity for fruit. And he also teaches us something else. He teaches us, he models for us what our prayer lives for others can look like too. And so when your children that you've been praying for, maybe they're not honoring you as their parents, you can actually pray that they don't just honor you maybe one out of three times. You can pray they honor you all the time. You don't have to pray for your alcoholic relative to get drunk less. You can actually pray that they never get drunk again. You don't have to pray for your coworkers and friends to gossip less about you. You can pray that they never gossip ever again. You don't have to pray that your cheating spouse cheats less on you. You can pray that they never cheat again. Paul is praying for full fruit, not half measures. A life that is filled with such fruit because of the righteousness that he has planted and that has taken root within us. And all of this then, to what end? Right? For what Purpose. Verse 11, once more, Paul prays that we be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to what end? The glory and praise of God. Why would God get the praise? Because it's his work. It's a work that as Paul writes in Verse 6 of the very same chapter, God not only began, but will bring to completion. See, this whole prayer is an outworking of Paul's own prayer life. He is praying that this church, that our church, that, that you and I would be filled full with such a life of fruit that is made possible through what Jesus has done, not only on the cross, but within our own souls too, planting his righteousness in us so a whole new forest would grow where there was once ash and death. Praise the Lord, won't he do it? Think about this. You and I, we get to glorify God. And every time we glorify God, it is an answer to a prayer that Paul prayed and penned in prison to these Philippians and for us too. That as Ephesians 2, 7 says, in order that in the coming ages, God might show my awesomeness? No. The incredible, 
incomparable riches of his grace expressing kindness toward us in Christ. And in the same way, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify you? No, glorify our Father in heaven. Like in our heart of hearts, isn't that exactly what we want? To bring glory to the one who made a way for us. I mean, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> but maybe you're like me. But it breaks my heart to break the heart of God. Like, I understand it was my choice. I chose to sin. I get that. But after the fact, don't you sit and you're like, man, I did it again. I blew it. The one who always forgives me, why do I keep doing these unforgivable things to him? The one who when I was feeling misunderstood, he always comes and he comforts me. The one who, when I was betrayed by my family and my friends and those who love me, like he's never forsaken me. How can I do that to him? How could I stab his heart? How could I break not just his laws, but his heart too? Isn't there a part of us that just feels the sorrow of adding even an ounce of pain to his beloved heart? So if that's the case, that if what we really want is not to do those things to him, at least in our heart of hearts, we don't actually want to do that. We want to glorify him. We want, we want not just to give him glory. We want the whole world to know he is glorious, right? We want others to see through us just how great he is. Like, I want nothing more in my life than to be a trophy of his grace that people look at and they're like, man, that God is something special. And I'm guessing that's what you want too. But perhaps you're wondering, is it too late? Because maybe you've never chosen to follow Jesus or maybe you've been following him for a long time and it's like, I've tried this Jesus thing and it doesn't seem to work for me like it does for other people. To the question of, is it too late? I wanna tell you a story and then we're gonna close. In the early 1960s, as the ancient fortress of Masada was being excavated in Israel, they found a jar and it was containing some date palm seeds. So you ever eat dates, the little seeds inside? That's what was in the jar, just a few of them. And for about 40 years, they were just left sitting in a drawer until one day someone had the brilliant idea, hmm, I wonder if we could grow a tree out of this. So they put it in this special solution that was made to facilitate the germination process. And believe it or not, one of those seeds that were sitting 40 some years in a jar, in a drawer, sprouted. And didn't just sprout, it's now a 10 foot tall tree named Methuselah that's been used to pollinate and grow another date palm tree. But guess how old those seeds turned out to be? With carbon dating, they suspect those seeds were 2,000 years old. 2,000 years, this fruit pit just sat there, dormant, doing nothing. And now, life. And that date palm seed 
isn't the only thing from Israel 2,000 years ago that still has the potential to bring life today. Because I'm reminded of the one who like a seed was placed into the earth, like a seed was placed into the grave, into the ground, who then and still today is bearing fruit. Because three days later, you remember what happens, right? Jesus rises to life. And all who place their faith in this Jesus find they come to life too. And so no matter how long that seed has been lying dormant, Christ's righteousness still holds unparalleled potential to grow and bear fruit. Our God is able to complete the work that he began in us. That is what Paul's praying for. 2,000 years ago in prison, he's praying for this. And we're going to take a cue from him now and do the same. See, the band's going to come up, and they're going to play some music underneath. And they'll invite us to sing with them in, in a moment, but, but not just yet. We're going to take some time right now, a good four, five, several minutes, to just pray for one another. Normally, when we offer prayer, we'll have a couple people around the room and we'll say, go to the person if you want to pray, that kind of thing. But we're going to flip the script and do things a little differently. I'm inviting you to be the person who goes to pray for somebody else in this room. It could be somebody you came with. It could be someone down the road from you or a complete stranger. Just introduce yourself first. Not a big deal. It's fine. But let's take this time to follow Paul's example of praying for fruit to grow. Because just like the date palm seeds, they needed to be put in a solution, an environment which would foster that growth. And prayer is that for us as believers. And so that's it. You ask them, hey, can I pray for you? And just pray that God would bear fruit in them that glorifies Jesus. Boom, done, turn, next person. Pray for them, let them pray for you. We'll just go on for, I'd say a good five minutes or so. The band will invite us to sing when it's time. But in the meantime, let's just pray together. And if you're joining us online or at one of the mission sites, if there's somebody in the room with you, just go to them and pray with them. And if you're by yourself in your room, in your PJs, maybe even you're in your, in your underwear and you're sitting with your covers on and you're like, I'm not going to anybody. Well, you know what you could do? You can call somebody, text them, shoot them a text and say, hey, you know what? I am praying for you that God will glorify himself through you. And that's it. Easy as that. Can we do that right now? Thank you guys for the time this morning. Thank you for letting me share God's word with you. Let's take time now to put this into action and pray for one another.